my son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm Dave Walker, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Evan Birchfield. Evan, I don't even want to ask you how you are. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. <laughs> how are you? Um, I'm doing as well as anybody could be right now. Um, yeah, so how are you doing? Uh, fighting with fans about Matt Ryan online, which feels like the summation of this season. Mm-hmm. Um so far it's for those who didn't see it or did not want to see it uh, and you're still listening to this podcast welcome to the misery uh the falcons did lose their fifth game they are zero and five they lost at home to the carolina panthers 23 to 16 in a game that i think uh many fans thought was a winnable game coming in even though the falcons were missing some key guys this felt like a game that they, they've played really well against the panthers in the past uh, the Panthers are really and truly a rebuilding team. Uh, they're rebuilding their defense. Uh, they're missing Christian McCaffrey. Uh, just across the board, a lot of reasons that the Falcons should have been able to pick up a win here, and yet they still couldn't. Um, so 23-16, as we mentioned, and really not even that close because they got the last-second field goal that really brought it a little bit closer it was really more of a 10-point win for uh, Carolina. Um, coming into the game, you know, the Panthers only had one player that was out, and that was uh, Eli Apple. Uh, the Falcons had Julio Jones ruled out before the game came around, uh, so we knew that it was going to have to depend a lot on Todd Gurley and Calvin Ridley. Um, and honestly, this was a game where the injuries just they, – they shouldn't have been a factor. Uh, the secondary came back in with Ricardo Allen, Keanu Neal, uh, mostly healthy, Tat McKinley. Uh, we'll talk about him in just a second. Dante Fowler. The, across the board, the defense should have been better. Uh, and if you see the tw- 23 points they gave up, you may think, oh, well, they clearly had a better game. And I, I feel like this is another one of those instances where the points don't tell the full story of what happened to our defense. They got obliterated for most of the game. Uh, they did get some three and outs, uh, but it was offset by endless drives by the Panthers where they were able to run the ball down their throats uh, with Mike Davis. So before we get into some of the stats that Evan will cover, uh, let's talk quickly about some of the injuries that happened during the game. 
Uh, we did mention Tat McKinley, who has been battling a groin injury since the Dallas Cowboys game. He did return. He went out early uh, with, again, an injured groin, and he did not return. He was rolled out for the rest of the game. Uh, and <laughs> it, it seems like, Evan, like he came in, and I think the first play or one of the first two or three plays, he was immediately generating pressure. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to see him back in there. And then all of a sudden – we get we see that message uh, since you were covering our first half injuries that he went out injured. Yeah. What were your thoughts on you know just seeing Tax name pop up yet again on the injury list and missing the game? Uh, I mean, a groin injury it's it's complicated and it's one of those that just kind of lingers on. Um, to me, it you know I'm not a doctor or anything, but it tells me he was you know just looking at the injury report report throughout the week and stuff. He wasn't a hundred percent. There was no way. Um, I think he just, you know, re-aggravated it. Um, and that's something we've seen other players do. We saw Julio Jones last week on Monday Night Football, you know, not even come back out after um, halftime. Uh, and this is kind of the same situation where he may have rushed back a little too early. Maybe the players feel a little obligated to be out there, even if they're not fully healthy. Um, playing for Dan Quinn or whatever. And uh, yeah, just, you know, it's tough because, you know, they did decline his fifth year option. um, Yeah. And he's playing, you know, for a contract somewhere. Um, It's not out of the realm of possibility that they could have ended up bringing him back, you know, in 2021. But um, yeah, it's a terrible start because when he does play and he's healthy, he's looked good this season. But, you know, as you mentioned, it's just the injuries, um, you know, that's not going to help anybody try and get a new contract somewhere. No, and it's unfortunate. I I actually really like Tack as a player. I think he can be, you know, much better than he has been if he could stay healthy. Um, And that's, you know, it's unfortunate. He's he's got a tremendous amount of talent. And I think had he stayed healthier, I think we'd see a much different story with him in Atlanta. Uh, but he has been essentially just injured since the day he's come into the team. Uh, and this season has been no different. Uh, the other injury suffered in the game for the Falcons was Kendall Sheffield uh, mm-hmm. with the uh, ankle injury. He did end up returning to the game. So I think uh, he was, he was mostly fine. I think, uh, you know, he probably turned it and, uh, you know, didn't end up being much that kept him out. Uh, but at this point, you know, the Falcons are relatively healthy. So I think any, inclination to put this loss on the health of the team is uh is is it's just not accurate so evan why don't you take us through what the falcons did offensively in this game because i think there's a lot to talk about from this standpoint Mm -hmm. uh you know there was there's certainly a lot of criticism for the whole team but matt ryan in particular and i want to i want to get to that okay um well i'll finish off with matt ryan let me just touch on uh todd Gurley who basically had the best game of his short career in Atlanta. Um, going into the game, if you read my uh, on the Falcolic.com, my fantasy football preview, I said this could be a big game from Todd Gurley because the Panthers are the second worst against running backs. Um, they're allow- Going into this game, they were allowing five and 5.1 yards per attempt, um, and Todd Gurley definitely displayed that. He had 14 carries for 121 yards and a touchdown. The longest was a 35-yard carry, which he took him, you know, to the end zone. Um, Just looked tremendous all day. Even in the passing game, he had four receptions, 29 yards, 
early on he kind of bailed Matt Ryan out of a situation where he caught a ball with one hand and it was it was pretty good, pretty impressive. Um, but that's something me and you have talked about, you know, throughout the year is they need to get Gurley more involved, especially in the passing game, and they finally did that. Fortunately, it really didn't matter towards the score, but that's here nor there. Um, Brian Hill had six carries for 39 yards, not not a whole lot, you know, going there, but, um, you know, he's their kind of backup change of pace back, and that's fine. I, I did want to mention, too, with Todd Gurley, he's the first Falcons running back since Brian Hill um, to get 100-plus yards rushing uh, since Brian Hill in 2018 against the Carolina Panthers. So, um, yeah, good job, Dick Gurley. We finally have a, <laughs> <laughs> finally had a good run day. Um, you look at the receiving, uh, Calvin Ridley, who was held to no catches against Green Bay Packers, um, bounced back, had eight receptions on 10 targets for 136 yards, no touchdowns. Um, and, you know, receiving wise, that was pretty much it. You know, Russell Gage outside of Gurley was the second best receiver. He had two receptions, 16 yards. Brian Hill had two receptions, 15 yards, pretty much all of that. So Ridley was pretty much the main target today. Um, and then finishing off with Matt Ryan, he went 21 of 37 attempts, 226 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception passer rating of 63.6. And I know DW wanted to mention the interception. Yeah, because uh, my Twitter lit up <laughs> after uh, that play and in, in, uh, in the aftermath of that play. And uh, I think people were reading me wrong, maybe. Uh, let me say this. I don't think Matt Ryan had a good game. I think he had a pretty poor game. That said, I, I think the entire team collectively had a poor game. There were some drops uh, by several receivers, uh, you know, including Calvin Ridley and, and another one from Todd Gurley uh, that contributed to this, certainly. Uh, there were some missed blocks, including, you know, that that near fumble from Ryan that was, you know, it was a fumble, but the Falcons recovered it where the pass rusher came in completely unblocked. Uh, and I, I feel like, you know, these interceptions by Ryan, they, they take the emphasis because they are, it, that one was just glaringly bad. It was a terrible throw, the, the, you know, no excuse for it. Um, but it takes away from what is ultimately just a, a terrible game collectively by the entire team. And that's what I want to avoid because, when Matt Ryan becomes the scapegoat, uh, you you forget to look at the rest of the team and ask questions about what the rest of the team is doing. And then even worse, if you begin to make excuses for guys like Dirk Cutter, Dan Quinn, and the game planning that's going into this uh, into Sundays, that is criminal. Uh, and I don't think you can separate a quarterback and the remaining players on the offense from the offensive coordinator, he comes in and if you don't have confidence as a player, whether it's Matt Ryan or Calvin Ridley or Todd Gurley, if you don't have confidence in what you're doing offensively, it is going to impact the way that you play. You're going to question your throws. You're going to not pull the triggers confidently. It's going to make you look worse than your physical skills may actually be. And I think we're seeing some of that now. That said, I want to be very clear I'm extremely concerned that this offense that the Falcons are currently running is causing a regression in Matt Ryan that could continue for this entire season and could end up being something that ultimately kills his career. 
Like that's that's how concerned I am with what is going on with this team right now. Um, that we literally have an offensive coordinator that is uh, calling the games in such a way that our quarterback is losing confidence with every single game. He looks worse and worse, and this could be doing uh, damage to you know the last several years of Ryan's career. Um, and let me finally say this. For those who are coming after me, to use that interception as proof that Matt Ryan has never been a good quarterback, you go straight to hell. I'm not going to entertain that. That is garbage. Uh, if I see you tweet that kind of nonsense to me on social media, I'm just I'm not going to respond anymore. I'll be honest. And honestly, if you guys come after me personally, like some of you did, I'm going to block you f- just straight out. I don't have time for that kind of nonsense in my life. This is football. I don't. I don't. I don't need you attacking me personally because I don't think Matt Ryan is the worst quarterback in NFL history. Like, who needs that stupidity in their life? I certainly don't. Not in the season, not in the year 2020. We have enough crap to deal with on top of an 0-5 Falcons team for me to put up with y'all's bullshit about Matt Ryan being the worst quarterback in the league. Uh, so please miss me with those hot takes. I'm not going to hear them. I, I, I don't care. I disagree vehemently, and you're just not going to get my attention. Uh, and you're going to get blocked. So good luck to you, but take that take that nonsense elsewhere. Um, as for the Panthers' defense, I, you know what? The thing is, like, uh, the best defense for a team is often their offense. And I think the Panthers just absolutely dominated time of possession in this game. So that certainly helped their defense. Um, but, you know, Justin Burris got the the, the single uh, interception in the game. Uh, you know they had a, a sack from uh, Brian Burns and Marquise Haynes, but it wasn't like a dominant um, defensive performance. This felt more like an indictment of what the Falcons were doing. Do you do you agree, Evan? Do you feel like the the Panthers weren't necessarily a great team? It was just it felt like the Falcons just were not mm-hmm. good. Yeah, I mean, even towards the end there, um, you know, that's a touchdown game. The Falcons weren't out of it. It's just they couldn't make any stops. Mike Davis just continuously ran all over them. Um, Both offenses actually had exactly 64 plays each. Um, You look at the team stats overall, and it's very similar. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, first downs, Panthers had 24, the Falcons had 21. Um, third downs, the, uh, Panthers went six for 12 and the Falcons went six for 13. Um, yeah, I mean, in time, as you mentioned, time of possession, the Panthers had 33, uh, minutes and six seconds. And then the Falcons had 26, 54. So not like a whole lot of difference there. It's just, you know, the Falcons had one turnover. The Panthers didn't have any. Um, but yeah, looking at the Panthers offense, Mike Davis led the way on the ground with 16 carries for 89 yards, no touchdowns. But he was useful during the in the uh, passing game because he had nine receptions for sixty yards in a touchdown. Um, so a pretty good day for him. Uh, Robbie yeah. Anderson was their lead receiver uh, with eight receptions, one hundred and twelve yards, and then uh, DJ Moore, who you know was before Robbie Anderson came uh, joined the Carolina Panthers, was their number one receiver. He had a good day, four receptions, ninety three yards, and a touchdown. Um, and then Teddy Bridgewater, I mean, he, he if you follow fantasy football stuff, um, he was one of those dark horse quarterbacks because yep. of the matchup, and he didn't let you down he, if you started <laughs> him. Um, he had 27 completions on 37 attempts for 313 yards. 
uh, two touchdowns, 116.2 passer rating. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, the, their offense didn't make mistakes. It's not that they were lights out or anything. It's just they didn't make mistakes. And when they needed a first down, they got it. And that's pretty much what, you know, wraps up this whole game is the Falcons defense could not stop them when they needed to. Yeah, uh, perfectly said. And, and honestly, I think I can't remember the exact statistic. I believe it was eight. This was only the eighth time in Teddy Bridgewater's career that he threw for 300 yards. Hmm. Uh, so that tells you again, what you need to know about the Falcons defense. And, and as I mentioned earlier, if you look at just the 23 points, it's going to look like, Oh, the Falcons defense actually was not the problem today. And, and it's going to be, uh, you, you're going to ignore essentially what, you know, actually happened in the game where Bridgewater goes for over 300. Uh, Mike Davis looks like you know an all-pro running back uh, coming out of the backfield, both in the running game and the passing game. I think he had uh, several receptions that went for big gains as well. So again, just you know, the, the score doesn't tell the full story, especially when you know the Panthers probably could have uh, gotten close to thirty had they uh, taken their last drive that was burning down the clock and, and punched in the touchdown instead of the um, field goal. I just wanted to mention while we were still talking about Teddy Bridgewater. Um, an interesting statistic. So he had 261 passing yards in the first half, and that's the most in a first half this season in the NFL. Um, And in regards to Panthers quarterback history, that's the second most passing yards in a first half for them um, in their, in their franchise history. Steve Berline had 293 versus 49ers, (laughs) but yeah. So Teddy Bridgewater making history against the Falcons today. (laughs) At least, at least Panthers history. <laughs> that is, that's, oh my God. And I mean, Evan, the I most, the most in the first half this season out of all the quarterbacks and all, you know, yeah. we've only, we're only a couple weeks in, but that's still pretty damn impressive considering a lot of people still don't think Teddy Bridgewater's, you know, that great, you know, but he, uh, yeah. he, you know, that just says more about the Falcons defense than I guess. Truly. Uh, and again, as you said, the, the Falcons are making history in all the wrong ways. And this seems to be the story this year. Like we're, we're making, uh, we made Mitch Trubisky look like he shouldn't be benched. And then uh, uh, Nick Foles comes in and looks like, you know, an all pro. And then of course goes on to play any other team and looks, you know, pedestrian at best. Mm-hmm. Uh, so frustrating. Uh, as for the Falcons, you know, defensively, what they did was, uh, again, you know, they had some stops, uh, a couple of three and outs, which seemed like minor victories. Uh, Foyer Luakon, I, I do want to point him out. He, I feel like, is right now one of the best defenders on this team um, with 12 tackles, you know, a tackle for loss in this game. He was all over the field. Really looks like the game is slowing down for him. Uh, so it was really fun to watch him play and sort of, you know, become a better player. Uh, otherwise, you know, I think this game was one of those ones where they didn't have any sacks. And again, this is a, a offensive line that came in with really sort of a weak interior offensive line. This was another prime opportunity and they just, they just can't get it done. They can't get it done consistently. Uh, they did generate some pressures, but the, it does, it doesn't add up to enough ultimately with this defense. Um, you know, Kendall Sheffield had a pass deflection. He was the only one in the secondary that did. Um, otherwise, this was a defensive effort that 
the score is not indicative of how they really played. They couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop the pass, as you mentioned with you know the the stats that Brady, uh, Teddy Bridgewater put up. Uh, the the twenty three points really is going to be a deceptive stat. So don't look at that, guys. You got to look at the, the the complete picture. And I had some people tell me, oh, well, they only gave up you know three points in the second half. Um, yeah, but they burned down so much of the clock, and they basically controlled the field in the entire fourth quarter. It was uh, the Falcons' defense could not stop anything they were doing uh, towards the back end of the game. They only scored six in the second half. Right. So, you know, this, this is not something to celebrate. You know, th- this Falcons defense is still a major problem. Uh, and I think you mentioned earlier with uh, the Panthers that DJ Moore, he when his one touchdown was like a, uh, oh, a yeah. 50, a 53 yarder where he literally ran past the entire Falcons. He looked like Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> he truly he did. Was just booking he, it, like he made Isaiah Oliver was like it looked made Oliver look like he was walking like after him. Yep. Yeah, and all and and frankly, you know, Oliver will take the heat for that, and he should. He was bad, but at the same time, he literally went by the entire secondary, the entire mm-hmm. secondary. Um, so I, I want to add this in because I just saw this come across the line. And this is going to be obviously a topic of discussion at the Falcoholic on Twitter. Uh, you know, for anyone that still is keeping track with the Falcons, <laughs> Matt Ryan was just asked if he expects Dan Quinn to lose his job. And here's the quote I hope not. I think Dan's been nothing but a great head coach since he's been here. We haven't done a good enough job as a team and as players. It's a hard business, that's for sure. Um, the players are not giving up on Dan Quinn, but uh, as Dave uh, put it so eloquently on, on Twitter, uh, our editor, Dave Choate, the alcoholic himself. Uh, at some point, the players actually have to deliver on that, and they haven't. And I think that's the bottom line. You know, they, they can love Dan Quinn all they want, but they're 0-5. They're 0-5, and uh, they have gotten worse, arguably, with each game that has passed. Uh, they've had some disastrous performances um, so before we get into some of that discussion though, because I feel like there's, uh, you know, to close out this podcast, we'll talk a little bit about, uh, the Owen five record. We'll talk about Dan Quinn and what's coming up for the Falcons. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. We are recapping the Falcons' loss in Week 5 to the Carolina Panthers, 23-16 to in Atlanta. Uh, so this is the first time, Evan, that they had uh, fans back in the stands. I think there's a little over 6,000 fans that they had yeah. uh, back in the stadium. Uh, so it looked about like it normally does when there's not a pandemic. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> That's too easy. That was Yeah, that was a softball. Um this is the first time since 1997, 1997, 
um, that the Falcons have started 0-5. They ended up winning game six. So they, they started 1-5 that year. Uh, and that, that team actually finished 7-9. Of course, we all know 1998 was the Super Bowl season uh, for the Falcons, their first ever Super Bowl under uh, head coach Dan Reeves. Are um, you saying we're going to the Super Bowl next year? Uh, you know what? I'm not going to roll it out. <laughs> <laughs> Stranger things have happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but now the talk turns to Dan Quinn. And uh, Evan, I want to get your opinion on this because I feel like fans are clamoring. And I, I would say at this point, it's probably universal. Uh, at least 95% of Falcons fans believe Dan Quinn should be fired and should be fired right now. Like mm-hmm. Monday morning, he walks in, he's given the papers, he is escorted out, that kind of firing. Do you believe, number one, do you agree that Dan Quinn deserves to be fired right now? And number two, do you think that he will actually be fired this week or do you think it's going to be later on? Um. So my thoughts are kind of all over the place where – he should have been fired last year, um, but they brought him back because I guess you know that how how the Falcons season ended last year. They thought that was enough. Um, I it's not that I think he shouldn't be fired right now. It's just that the team's zero and five, probably going to go zero and six. Lord knows when they're going to win. Um, the season's over. Like it, it was over weeks ago, but it's it's over now. Um, at this point, just I'd let him just coach out the rest of the season. Um, I know that's not a popular take or anything, but you get rid of him, you know, it's not going to make the team better. You're still going to have Dirk Cutter uh, calling the right. offense. Um, Dan Quinn hasn't been doing the defensive play, so, you know, I, you can blame him for, you know, you're a defensive-minded head coach and your defense is garbage. But he's not actually doing the defensive plays. Um, so nothing's really going to change. You're just going to have a different face giving you different talk every week. Uh, and if you're on the, the side that's kind of hoping for a top pick, you know, let him keep coaching because he's clearly not going to win you any ball games. Um, yeah, it's just a complicated situation where you fire him. It's not going to make a difference. The team's still garbage. Um so, yeah, I know that's not a popular take or anything, uh, but I, will he get fired? If it doesn't happen tomorrow, I don't think it's happening at all this season. I think it's just the rest of the season, um, which then he's he's going to get fired, folks. It's just a matter of when. Uh, yeah. And, you know, one thing I keep going back to last week, Ian Rappaport men- of NFL Network mentioned that his source or whatever, that these the next two games – the Packers and the Panthers game that they just lost, uh, you know, were the deciding factors on what's going to happen with Dan Quinn. And I think at that moment when we kind of heard it and I did the article on the Falcoholic, it was like, okay, we have the Packers, uh, the Panthers, uh, the Packers game coming up. Uh, mm-hmm. And we obviously knew that was probably going to be a loss. And then it ended up being one. And then we knew, okay, the Panthers one is probably winnable but will they actually win it and we now know they lost it so you know what information has changed since then i don't know but if that's the outlook the falcons had on dan quinn's future with the team they needed those next two games to really know okay this is how good or bad this guy is 
Um, they went 0-2. They both scored 16 points. Uh, the Falcons offense scored 16 points in both games. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's been enough to where you can still make an argument if you were making one before to keep Dan Quinn. I, I never understood that argument because he's not actually doing anything. But that right. firing should have happened last year. Um, whether you make it in season or not, you know, if you're still holding out hope, I'm sorry, this season's a wash. And I, I've never felt this way this early in a season. So this is kind of new for me, as you Truly. mentioned, 0-5 uh, for the first time since 1997. And I'm 30 years old, just turned 30 in August. And I was seven years old when that happened. And I'm going to be honest with you, I was a kid. So, like, I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's definitely something that, you know, should be fireable. But will it be? We don't know the behind the scenes. We don't know how close, you know, what they're talking about right now. But if you're if you own the Falcons like Arthur Blank does, and you're seeing this incompetence, and you know you're paying this guy who's not doing anything for your team, how can you keep having him lead your you know players out on the field and stuff? It, right. It's he's yep. not doing anything. You know, I, I feel like I have to repeat this on every podcast we do. Um, if if you're not doing your job every week like you're not even doing anything to be honest because you're not doing defensive plays you have nothing to do with the offense you're just there to speak at press conferences and have cool shirts that's about it and that's not you don't get to be an nfl head coach and do that like that's not your job as an nfl head coach it's just kind of sad because you see what like the panthers uh they have a rookie or i guess you could say a rookie head coach in uh matt rule and You know, the, their offense is missing Christian McCaffrey. Like, I, we didn't even mention that yet. They're yeah. all, their star player exactly. wasn't even there, and they still destroyed us. Um, you know, the score doesn't, net, you know, show it, but we couldn't stop their offense. Uh, yeah, it'd just be nice to have an offensive mind back in the building because Dirk Hutter is in that. Um, but, yeah, so what do you think? You yeah. think he's getting fired tonight? I, I I'm curious. Yeah, it, you know, it's. I I think you said it perfectly. I think if it doesn't happen tonight or tomorrow morning, you know, they are in Atlanta. I think that helps. If 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 you're looking for the perfect time for the Falcons to make a move, this game is it. Otherwise, it's going to be the bye week. Will be the I think the next opportunity. Um, so yeah, I, I think you're right, Evan. I think if it's going to happen, it's going to happen tonight or tomorrow morning. Because they're in Atlanta, it makes the logistics of making that move easier. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I think there's a distinct possibility that he rides out the entire season, and then they decide to make you know the, after the last game of the season, which is against the Bucks on uh, January third, like January fourth, we'll we'll see the press conference, and, <laughs> and it'll be like you know Dan Quinn and the entire coaching staff has been fired, uh, Thomas Dimitrov has been fired, and uh, you know, we're we're bringing in a whole new leadership to, you know, hopefully uh, take advantage of the talent that's on this roster, et cetera, et cetera. Right now, it, it, honestly, what I want, I, I do think the team would benefit from a coaching change, but I don't think Dan Quinn is the person that they need to fire immediately. In my opinion, uh, and I said this uh, in a prior podcast, I actually think it would be more important right now to fire Dirk Cutter. Uh, and here's why. The defense 
right now is bad, but there is not a substantial investment from a financial standpoint into the defense. Other than guys like Deion Jones and Grady Jarrett, you know, you have a bunch of young guys that honestly, there should be an expectation in a season like this that they're going to struggle somewhat. And they are. And and to be fair, you know, guys like AJ Terrell, uh, they're they they they're on the wrong side of this pandemic for them being able to get up to speed in the NFL. The offense, though, you've spent a tremendous amount of capital on that offense. You've got a Hall of Famer in Julio Jones. You've got arguably a Hall of Famer in Matt Ryan. You have a, a rebuilt offensive line that you spent two first round draft picks on last year, and yet here you are. This season, you have scored over thirty once. And that was against the Cowboys, which now, as we're seeing them play, their their defense is trash. And we were able to score 39 against them. Otherwise, you scored 25, 26, 16, and 16 with this talent. And certainly, Matt Ryan deserves some criticism for the, the decisions he's made in some of these games. But across the board, I think this, a, this is a much bigger problem with the entire offensive scheme that they're running. I wrote an article about this earlier this week, the fact that the Falcons run so much on second long. And it's not like it's legitimately true. It's not just something fans are, you know, saying and it's not backed up by the stats. The Falcons are one of the worst teams in the league in running on second and long. They're one of the worst teams in the league of taking advantage of uh pre-snap motion, something that, you know, they did under um uh, Kyle Shanahan that just made the game, made the defense uh, show their hand to Matt Ryan, you know, a quarterback who feasts on knowing what the defense is doing. And yet we're here with Kurt Cutter and he is not doing any of the things that it takes to be successful with this offense. In fact, he is what we saw even in this game is Todd Gurley was having tremendous success running and run after run, he was picking up 5, 10, 12 yards, and then he yanks him. I mean, uh, why? Why? <laughs> why would you do and, – and this is where I, I think the Falcons do have to make a coaching change. And I think Dan Quinn absolutely needs to be replaced, bar none. Um, but at this point, I actually think – Dirk Cutter is the man that needs to go immediately because of what he has done um, to the offense. And I want to say this because it is just coming in as we are recording this, but Jeff Schultz of the Atlantic, formerly of the AJC, he is saying that the firing of Dan Quinn has been all but finalized and the announcement could come Monday or Tuesday um, per his sources. So it sounds like Quinn will be the one out the door uh, per Jeff Schultz and, and, Let's just put this out there. Schultz knows his stuff. The guy is connected. So it sounds like, Evan, uh, this conversation may end up being moot by the time uh, yeah. this lands tomorrow. I think but, we just talked about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it, it does sound like the Falcons will be firing Dan Quinn even before mm-hmm. the bye week. Um, so some breaking news there. We'll see as, if that plays out. But if, if Schultz is reporting it, there's a very good chance that happens. Um, so – Evan, any last thoughts on the game on on this new news that you know Dan Quinn is gonna? It looks like probably gonna be fired, and you know what's what's happening with this team. Yeah, um, 
kind of over the game at this point, but the Dan Quinn, fought, you know, basically being fired, um, you know, I, I don't want to see anybody ever lose their job. I take no pleasure in it, especially Dan Quinn. He's a super nice dude and, you know, he cares about his players and his players literally love him. Um, so I will be interested to see how that kind of changes in the locker room because the players have been very vocal about, you know, wanting to keep Dan Quinn, but they don't want to win on the field for Dan Quinn. Um, cause something's missing. Like if, if that was the way you keep him is by winning games and they just weren't, um, they did it enough last year to keep him around, but this year, you know, starting zero and five, that's a tough pill to swallow for anybody. Um, and you know, it's, it's interesting that it comes at a time where we still have a couple weeks before a bye week I think our bye week is week 10. Um, we're traveling to Minnesota, uh, to face the Vikings who, you know, that's a tough opponent. Um, you know, and then the question yeah. of who ends up taking over, I think it's going to be Ulbrich. Um, I don't think it's going to be Dirk Hutter. But yeah, it's uh you know it's kind of sad, but the Dan Quinn era coming to an end, zero and five during the twenty twenty season. Um, you know, wish him the best, but yeah, it, it had to it had to happen. Yeah, uh, it, it's unfortunate that it took a disastrous start, zero and five again since the first time since nineteen ninety seven. I mean, guys, that's. <sighs> 23 years since the franchise experienced this sort of a disastrous loss. Uh, and honestly, at this point, if you feel confident about them winning any more games, I, I just don't like, I, I can legitimately uh, see this team starting 0 and 16 uh, in finishing, or I'm sorry, finishing 0 and 16. And as you mentioned, they do have the Vikings coming up next. Uh, and then after that, I mean, listen to the schedule guys and you make the decision based on what you've seen on Sundays after the Vikings, they face the lions, uh, the Panthers again, then the Broncos, maybe the Broncos could be a win. I don't know. Um, then they face the saints, the Raiders, the saints, the chargers, the bucks, the chiefs, and then the bucks. I feel like one, the two wins in that stretch is, is maybe optimistic. <laughs> so, uh, and that's, I mean, that, that is, yeah, you know, in thinking about this, if if you look at that and you think to yourself, um, everyone needs to go, and meaning from Thomas Dimitrov all the way down, and you start looking at the future of this franchise and thinking Matt Ryan's thirty five, uh, it may be time to draft a quarterback. I'm not going to argue with you because. A season like this really does sort of open up questions across the entire the entire franchise. And it's unfortunate that it's come to this, but in, in some ways, like you said, Evan, like many of us were clamoring for Quinn to be gone last year. This almost feels like the the actual logical conclusion of not making that decision in 2019. So any final thoughts as we wrap this up and get done with this this podcast? Um, I just wish we had a time machine so I could skip ahead to the off season. Just I'm ready for a draft <laughs> talk. I'm ready for some some sort of hope. You know, during the season, firing Dan Quinn doesn't give me hope. It's just like it needed to happen. It should have. It's them admitting they should have done it last year. 
Um, it's another wasted season for Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. It's unfortunate, you know, it's, it's not good news for now. And it's just them, you know, finally admitting they made a mistake and, uh, we'll see what happens next year, but you know, me and you are going to be back every week to cover the games next week. We got the Vikings should be interesting. We'll see who the head coach is, um, for the time being. And yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Uh, so on that note, Evan, tell our listeners where they can find you, what you've got going on. Uh, you can find me at, uh, at Evan Birchfield on Twitter. Um, I'm writing on the Falcoholic, doing fantasy articles and whatnot. Um, and yeah, just, uh, appreciate you listening and yeah. We will be here next week. (laughs) (laughs) Do we have to? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I like I, I feel bad. I, I'm I'm contractually obligated to be here and Evan <laughs> is just is helping me out. So uh I, I, I certainly owe him some uh some free beers in the uh the off season for sure. <laughs> um as for me guys, you can find me on Twitter at Falcoholic DW, updates for this podcast at Falcoholic Pod, and of course our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com as we cover what could be a very, very disruptive week for this Falcons franchise for the first time since uh, what was it, 2014. So, yeah, very interesting week coming up. And, uh, guys, we'll be here next week with the post-game podcast and, of course, all of our uh, coverage at thefalcoholic.com. So for Evan Birchfield, this is Dave Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time. son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. 